Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. And while we have uh, made it through a recent economic downturn in which unemployment rates jumped dramatically, as you may recall, we are now seeing consistently strong job reports. Now, when that happens, leverage in the employer-employee relationship can swing over to the employee side a little bit. Couple that with the fact that uh, the youngest generation of workers are much more mobile and uh, according to statistics, much less likely to stay in one job for more than a couple of years. And suddenly the employers are looking for ways to, to recruit and hold on to the best workers in the marketplace, and that's becoming a bit of a challenge. Hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell, back again. A little bit of a technical difficulty, so um, working off a different phone. Hope everything is good as you listen in. Today we're going to look at one economic incentive that employers can use to maintain their best employees, and that is providing them with stock or ownership shares in the company. Along to explain the details is a frequent and favorite guest of mine, Attorney Jim Voigt of Lavelle Law Limited. Hello, Jim. Welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me back, Jim. It's good to be here. Yeah, great to have you. Now, if I use the term stock uh, in this discussion, I assume that that doesn't imply a publicly traded company where we think of stock markets, but it, it could be a privately held company in which just some ownership share is is at, at stake. Is that correct? That's correct. I mean, a publicly traded company might, you know, very well might offer stock to its employees, um, and, and that's just going to be something different. This is really geared towards the small business owner who probably owns all of the stock himself or maybe him, you know, like the owners, you know, between a few of them own all of the stock, and they're looking for a way to give an incentive to employees in a closely held corporation. Now, I, I know you work with many, many companies of that description, um, what is it that would drive them to want to share some of their stock with employees? The, the, real, the main driver really is, like you said in the introduction, to attract good employees. But, you know, often, it, you know, you don't, unless you are bringing somebody in maybe at the executive level, it's somewhat unusual that you would give them stock right from day one. Uh, really, you've identified a key employee that you feel is important to the organization. You want to keep them around for a long time. So you want to give them an incentive to stay with the company. And the, also, the other reason that you would do it is, um, obviously, you know, rising tide raises all ships, and you want to involve your employees in that. So in the event that this employee works so hard and does such a good job that the overall company becomes more valuable, then the stock that they own becomes more valuable, and employees get that. So the other reason you would give stock is to say, hey, listen, if you can be a team player here and help the whole company do well, now that you own stock, you will also do well. And just to be very clear before people start thinking ahead of themselves here, when the owner or owners, uh, if there's more than one, choose to do this, they are, in fact, diluting their ownership to some degree. Is that right? 
That's correct. And really what we're not talking about here, there are other ways to do this. Like, for example, you could put in a profit-sharing plan. That is not giving somebody stock. Even if you give them a percentage exactly the same way they would get you know, a profit, you know, a share of the profits, just like they were a shareholder, you're not giving them shares. If you're um, doing something like um, uh, phantom stock, that again, you're not actually giving them ownership of the company. Um, what we're talking about here is the limited situation where you're actually transferring ownership of the company in part to an employee, and you're correct. That will dilute the existing owners. And that could be 1%, 5%, 10%. I mean, we're, we're not talking about uh, necessarily you know, taking on an a equal partner, but uh, just at least giving them some stake. Right. My, my answer to that would be, heaven forbid. <laughs> right. We, we certainly don't want to, and unless we've established a very long-term relationship and maybe have made small gifts over the, or not gifts, but grants of stock over a period of time, uh, I, I would be very hesitant to advise a client to give anything, you know, larger than a 10 or 20 or definitely not half of a company to an employee just to give them the incentive to stick around. But it's not unusual that I get asked that question. And I often have to sort of warn clients, say, listen, you know, this you know, it's a small company, you may be undervaluing it a little bit right now, but what you're giving away is a huge chunk, and that comes with a lot of baggage, so you need to be careful. Now, you talked earlier, you talked about different types of, of stock activity, uh, you know, profit sharing and such. We're not talking about those today. So when we talk about this type of activity, giving them ownership from a tax perspective, is that then considered income that the employee has to take into consideration in terms of their tax situation going forward? Yeah, it, 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 I would, the best way to describe it is to call it a taxable event. And there's a lot of different ways that you can give an employee stock. You can do it by way of you know, a qualified plan. You can just you know, give them stock. You could sell stock to them. There are so many different ways that you can actually give somebody an ownership piece of your company to give them an incentive as an employee, and all of them have very different tax consequences. And I would say this, Jim, we could do a two-hour-long podcast on just the question of how would something like this be taxed. So I'd like to pull back from that and say the tax consequence itself is something you should really just sit down with a good CPA and an attorney to work out. And, and really what we're focusing on here today is just to say, okay, if I do this, I've, I've got the taxes worked out. We know how that's going to work. We've designed the best plan in order to do this with the best possible tax result. So now I'm giving this person stock. What do I need to be worried about? And just, again, we could probably go off, off on a whole other tangent here, but a quick answer just to clarify because you've said a few interesting things. This isn't, or it could be, I guess, giving them stock, a phrase you just use, it, it, which is here, you are now a part owner, or would it be safe to say more frequently, here's your chance to buy some of this ownership. You will sort of become a, a owner, but you will somehow pay in for that. Exactly, and we do both, right? So it's, it's, I, And I wouldn't even say that one is more frequent than the other. We definitely have situations where we have an employer that wants to give stock to an employee and not ask for them to pay for it. And then we've got others, and this is more often associated with like an exit plan, a long-term plan to bring people up that will eventually take over the company. You know, those, you know, we, we also have a lot of situations where the employee is actually spending money and buying stock. So I would say it's, it's hard to say which one is better than the other. Um, we do a lot of both, and it's a, a pretty even mix. But, but the key thing here is think this through, because regardless of which way they go, once that stock is given or sold or granted, it's, it belongs to the employee, and, and the owner can't change their mind or say, oh, this isn't working out, I'm taking it back. Exactly right. Now, what I will say, though, is 
That's, that's the basic assumption that you have to start with. You have to understand that when you give an employee or sell an employee stock, they own it. It is personal property that they now own. So if we want to reserve the right to be able to take that back from them, we need to do it contractually. And that's the key that I think a lot of people miss. So if you're going to do something where you're transferring stock to an employee, you want to sit down and think through under what circumstances would I potentially want to get this stock back. For example, what if they steal money from the company and you fire them? Well, if you don't have a document that says um, that you get to buy their stock back if they're ever fired for cause, then they still own that stock. Uh, and you're now stuck with a shareholder that you just fired. So one of the key takeaways from this podcast would be to say, when you look to put a plan into place where you're going to be transferring stock to an employee, you also want to think through under what circumstances would I want to be able to get that back from them and how am I going to do it? Um, we're hearing today from attorney Jim Voigt of Lavelle Law Limited. Jim's a, a regular contributor to the series here, is a strong advocate and, and representative of the interests of business owners. Uh, you can find his profile at lavellelaw.com, along with some articles that uh, he's written on a number of topics, uh, including recent submissions on dealing with a debt crisis and a great analysis on the, uh, the lengths that your corporate structure or LLC really serve to protect you. So I suggest checking those out as well. Now, Jim, you just talked about something very important. Let's, let's talk about the agreement. If, if this process is going to take place, I assume there are some documents that should be written up that cover a number of different issues, both at the current time and going forward then. Correct. There's probably going to be a document in place that deals with, here's how you can buy stock, or here's the circumstances under which I will um, give you stock. And um, that's kind of, I would call that like an introductory. That's that's an agreement you would enter into before the stock is actually transferred, and it just controls how that transfer is going to happen, what triggers it, what gives you the right to have it, et cetera. More importantly, uh, or I guess equally importantly, is you know a, a shareholder agreement that is in place once that employee owns stock. And that shareholder agreement needs to cover a few topics. One, how is that stock going to be voted? We certainly don't want to bring on an employee that all of a sudden starts voting against everything the other shareholders want. So we can control through a shareholder agreement uh, that these shares that are being transferred, everybody agrees to vote for these particular individuals to be on the board of directors, for example, in a corporation. Another issue that we would take a look at is here are the reasons that we would be able to have a right to buy your stock back from you. And like I mentioned before, that could be being terminated or you know, long-term disability, death, things like that. Um, so we'll have a list of reasons that trigger the company's right to buy the stock back. And then very importantly, we're going to include a section in that shareholder agreement that covers the price that the company will pay. And this can become uh, an absolute blank canvas. Uh, we've had clients that keep it very simple. We'll just pay whatever the fair market value is of the stock. And we've had very complex provisions where there's discounts applied depending on what the reason was for termination, et cetera, et cetera. The key is, uh, without going through all of the potential uh, opportunities you have to document this up, the key is to make sure that you're thinking through those areas. What gives the employee the right to get the stock in the first place? How are they going to vote the stock once they have it? And how is the company going to buy it back if it ever needs to? And what will the company pay in order to do so? And just briefly, would there also be something in there about the transferability of the stock if, if it's granted to the employee just to make sure they don't turn around and sell it to somebody else then? 
That's a key provision, right? And that's actually something we would put into any shareholder agreement, but you're right. It does bear mentioning here. Yeah, we really want to tie up their ability to transfer that stock. That also helps us with some securities laws as well. Um, but, yeah, for sure, we definitely don't want, you know, you transfer it to somebody, they want to buy a car, they sell it to their friend, and now you have this weird shareholder on your hands that nobody really knows. Uh, so you're exactly right. Covering transferability is a big deal. Okay, and one more thing I want to throw out here that, um, again, I'm sure we can spend time on elsewhere, but just to touch on it. For, let's look at it from the employee point of view. If they actually then become an owner of the corporation, even if it's a minority owner, do they then absorb some risk and liability related to the overall operation of the company by becoming that shareholder? Yes, they do, and that's something the employee wants to think about as well. A good example would be in a limited liability company or in an S corporation. The company might make a profit, and if you are in either one of those two business structures as an owner of the company, you're going to be allocated your percentage of that profit. So if the profit is $100,000 and you have 10% of the stock, you're going to be taxed on $10,000 of profit whether you actually get a check for that amount or not, that's a key thing that people don't understand. So one of the things the employee would want to look for in a plan like this would be to say, I, if there's a tax result, if I end up having to pay taxes because I owe this stock, the company is going to owe me money to cover whatever tax result I personally incurred. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Sure. Okay. And is the same true for any lawsuits that the company might be party to? Yeah, you would include some indemnification clauses in there. Like, for example, the, the company would probably want to be indemnified for something crazy that the employee would do. The employee is going to be uh, request to be indemnified by the company for anything that the employee gets embroiled in because of something the company was doing. Okay. Well, we'll have to cover really something, of course, that, that needs um, good, thorough legal review and um, certainly something that, that you handle. Where should people start? Just kind of sit down with their attorney and say, this is what I'm thinking about? I think so. Really, you know, you can do some research on the internet if you want to, but if you, as long as you've got a good, competent business attorney, and I'll, be, I'll say this, somebody that has the ability to kind of keep things simple, say, here's what I want to do. I want to give this incentive to my employee. Um, you know, what are some things I need to be thinking about on how do we structure this? Um, just, just let them know what incentive you're trying to give, maybe how much percentage of stock you're looking to give, um, what price you might be looking for it in return, uh, and then start to build all of these pieces. And I would, you know, give it some time. I would not go to an attorney two weeks before you want to have this put into place. You know, try to give it some time so you can really think it through and get it right. Great. Well, uh, you know, we always run out of time when we're talking to Jim because there's so much to cover. So thanks very much for, for being here. If you want to follow up, um, certainly, you know, give Jim a call, 847-705-7555. He's available for consultations. LavelleLaw.com is the website. Um, great information. We'll continue to cover some new topics each week here on the podcast. And you can join us or, or download conversations for convenient listening at, at later times either on Blog Talk Radio or directly from... Thank you for joining us for this edition of Chicago's Legal Latte. If you have any questions or topics for a future episode, please call Lavelle Law Limited at 847-705-7555 or email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? 
I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.